Laurie Edim is the founder of Well Read Black Girl, a book club and now a podcast that celebrates the uniqueness of black literature and sisterhood. Her Well Read Black Girl anthology was named a Best Book of the Year by the Library Journal, and her latest release, On Girlhood, was one of NPR's Best Books of 2021. Blair Romani is an award-winning educator, historian, and the LA Times best-selling author of Read This to Get Smarter, Making Our Way Home, and Modern Her Story. Glory and Blair share their joyful perspectives on literature as a tool for healing, the continuing work of self-discovery, and their delight in making diverse stories accessible to all. Inspiration starts now. Hey, Glory, how are you doing? We have come such a long way since meeting in what, 2018? I know, it feels like, I mean, we have to like take out the pandemic years. So it's been, so the last time I saw you was last year I, I mean i don't know it just feels like so what is time? long but what is time what is time exactly how are you i'm doing well thank you i love that we're matching um it's just been it's been such a journey i think you're like i really have to let folks know <laughs> that when i was going through my writing process i would so often text glory in panic um particularly with my second book um making our way home because it was so daunting to write about the great migration and glory just said like blair you don't have to be the next isabel wilkerson you just need to be the first you and hooey did that take did that take the relief oh my goodness um and well, that's just I mean, the type of blair person you are. You are a brilliant, brilliant writer and you have so much to offer and you're so authentic that I, it was easy for me to say like, listen, you've got this, we're going to get through it and your book's going to be amazing, which it is. All your books are amazing. And now you're on your third. How does it feel to have like three books out in the world now? It feels pretty amazing. I'm definitely most proud of my third one, but I also think I'm the type of person to be like most excited about the most recent project. But I do think it's distinct. Like my last two ones, um, Modern History and Making Our Way Home, they were really confined to like the history realm. And it's so painful to write about history, particularly with Making Our Way Home, because I was talking about the period of time from Reconstruction to the 1970s and figuring out a way to talk about the Black American experiences without losing myself. And I definitely lost myself a few times. But this third book, Read This to Get Smarter About Race, Class, Gender, Disability, and More, is so extremely me, is so my my teaching and writing style. And um, I'm just I'm just really excited that um, it's been drawing people in regardless of whether they know who I am or not. Yeah. And I think that's been the most exciting thing. But you've recently, you had your book out on girlhood. Yes. How does that feel? Because I have your first one here. I loaned out on girlhood to my cousin who's having a baby very soon. Amazing. Well, I think that for me, I was going through this like second evolution of well-read black girl. So I was thinking about the word girl in well-read black girl. Originally, when I started the organization, it was kind of like a term of endearment. Like, hey, girl how are you doing like it was like more just like fun and um I don't know maybe just like a little looser and then I started thinking about the word girl as a basically a letter to my childhood self like how could I talk to the young girl that I was how could I affirm her help her cultivate community and really just like love up on her so this book basically is a collection of 15 short stories that focus on black girl protagonists like we often think of Toni Morrison and the bluest eye we think of Pocola which is like 
really sets the precedent of black girlhood, but there's so many more stories that we need to include. So this has um, a mix of classic and contemporary stories and all the things that I basically read in college, in high school that I wanted to revisit. So, I mean, of course, it's like Alice Walker is in here, her like legendary story, Everyday Use. We have the only short story written by um, Toni Morrison inside the collection, which makes it even more special. And then some of the like, well-read Black Girl Book Club alumni, like Alexia Authors and Camille Acker also are in the book. So it just became this like really testament to all the young girls that we were or the young girls of the future that will read this book and hopefully see themselves. Um, and it, it's it's really was such a labor of love and it was completely different from my first anthology, but they feel like uh, almost like companion pieces. Like you can read the first one and get an idea of like when you first saw yourself in literature and then read this and get like further into short stories, into fiction. And so, yeah, it was a totally different undertaking, but I love, I really, really love this book and I hope people love it too. It's, it's to again, it's like totally different from the first, but it has it's that healing. love. Oh, thank you. I think like that's one of the things that I think is most important in one of my understandings throughout the pandemic. I tried to come to these like big epiphany moments. That's my new big thing. I don't know if it's new, but I'm definitely more aware of it. But I try to have like this, oh, this is how the world works. And it just turns out that there's many different ways that the world works. And I need to come to terms with that. Um, so no, I think that um, on girlhood is so healing because one of the things I've tried to uh, come to an awareness of and that's my new big thing is like having epiphany moments so that's like what I what I dig like oh I'm in the tub and I'm like oh wow that's a great new insight but one of those things is that I think that the point of us getting older isn't to like you know labor endlessly so that way we can like get a vacation and a respite from this world but is really just to think deeply and to have understandings and part of those understandings being about how part of growing up is re-raising yourself and like looking yeah. back inward to the points in your life where maybe you, your parents tried their best or your caretakers or your caregivers and there was just points of pain and of trauma and difficulty and it's about doing this like internal excavation and figuring out those like jagged edges and embracing them and holding yeah. them sacred to you and then figuring out how you can heal and work around them and also make sure that other people don't have to go through that same trauma. Yes, exactly. I feel like this, so much of this is, yes, I'm writing it for like little glory that's still inside of me, my inner child, but I'm hoping that like young girls will pick this up and recognize themselves and be able to reflect and use like literature as a tool for self-healing and really just opening themselves up to new worlds and new opportunities. Like I, there were so many things that growing up, I was like, oh, I didn't know I could do that until I was able to see it and manifest it. And it's so important to have that like visualization of who you can become. 100%. I was just thinking about this. Like, who? Okay, so I clearly am very cut out to be a children's television show host. <laughs> Did I know that until I had an offer to do that? No. Did I think it was possible? Absolutely not. Was I even aware of how I didn't think that was possible? Not even that. But like we were having a meeting, um, you know this, that I'm working on a project right now with the Jim Henson Company and another studio. I'm working on something to do like animated programming as well. Um, hopefully you can't hear my dog Django trying to rehydrate in the background, but if you can, whatever, <laughs> it's a little ASMR moment. Um, but we were talking to one of these writers that we're looking to hire and uh, she said, well, let's keep this train going. And I was like, choo, choo. And then I was like, oh my God, thank God that I have this job because <laughs> this is just who I am. I'm currently wearing like a rainbow headscarf and like this emerald green, which you're also wearing. I just, it's, I know every children's show theme song 
somebody yesterday, um, I posted my lesson on colorblindness and how like mm-hmm. when we say colorblind racism, like it's both ableist and racist because you're using the language of people with seeing disabilities and then also you know, erasing the fact that racism is, you know, when you say you don't experience or see racism, that's you just saying, oh, I don't have to, which means right. you have privilege. Right. But somebody was like, what is it like to, I can't wait, I did screenshot it. Oh, but my phone's on the floor, so it's too far. But anyway, <laughs> the person was like, what is it like to teach, like, to teach about race in this babysitting ass way? I feel like I just watched PBS. And I was like, I don't know if you're hating or appreciating, but thank you, because <laughs> it's just such, it's such an exciting moment. It's such a gift. Um, but I didn't even, like, me. Well, like, you're also, like, super, like, I think you're really super at, um, translating things for people and making it digestible like whether someone's watching you on instagram or when they watch you on your new tv show like you have this like super effervescent energy that brings people in and i think it's inviting and i think that's like something that i try to emulate in well Red black girl too it's like you want people to be curious about something you want them to investigate you want them to feel like they have an access point and if it feels overwhelming or overly academic or or even condescending which is the absolute worst no one's gonna want to mm-hmm. learn you know so keep that energy keep that joy keep that that curiosity and even that uh, you have another ability that where you can also acknowledge when you're like incorrect or you want to like you know pivot oh, yeah. on something which a lot of people don't do especially on social media so i i just love that about you and knowing that these qualities are who you are in real life like it is absolutely i can be in a room with you and feel this energy and it translates exactly the same way on social media so i'm so thankful for the way you teach and the way you like invite people into your world and say like okay read this to get smarter or learn about the great migration or like enjoy this history and make history part of you it's such a great quality and not a lot of people possess that so i'm just so grateful for us to be in community and for us to like share that that love that energy and that well like yes of course like that welcoming because it's a rare thing i I really feel it is a rare thing and i need to hype you up because you're like the number one hype person like at the (laughs) the moments where I've been like I'm not doing this anymore Gloria's like actually yes you are (laughs) but even with well-read black girl so there was a moment y'all where Glory was coming to LA and I don't even know if I was in town but I was like just come stay with my parents and then you did and it was dope my mom was like how am I gonna talk to her like well-read black girl like what is and so but I was like mom just go on the page and she thought like because you know for her well-read had always been something that like was out of reach for her like she now is so bold and proud about telling me how she skipped class and I'm like where was this energy (laughs) when I never skipped class but like it's just funny how my mom feels like she can be a whole person with me now but she's like I skipped class I never learned about this I don't know what that is and she has this comfort with her not knowing but I think it's also like sometimes a point of insecurity as it is with many of us and when she went and she started reading this first anthology you did well-read black girl like it was a moment for her to feel like oh I have access to this too like the fact that I read more magazines than I read books doesn't mean that I'm not a reader it's just mean that I'm a different type of reader and that I might feel more comfortable reading something that's a curated list which Glory has so many of y'all like with Penguin Random House just like collections of places that you can start if you're trying to get more into like black women uh, literature which you should if you haven't before because black women have great things to say ourselves Uh, but I just think that it's so so like you can see that materially because even for me being somebody who tries to include people like I I realized later on that I wasn't including folks like my mom who might feel like she never had a space in academia or in literature and now she does thanks in part to you 
Oh, I, I really do appreciate that because that's what I want. Like, I want literature to be accessible. I want it to, like, reflect all the beautiful uh, ways that we are in the world, whether you're reading about, uh, like, a scientist or you're reading, uh, you know, like, a romantic fiction or, like, a history book. Like, we have multitudes, okay? Like, there's so many parts of us, and I don't want any of that neglected, and I want people to know that they can come into our community, ask questions, feel accepted, be part of something that's, like, bigger than them, you know? Like, reading invites us into this like sacred space. And I, I really know that I could not do what I'm doing if it wasn't for community. Like there's no way. Um, so I acknowledge that in all things that I'm working on. And now like, I'm really excited to be on the other side. I've been editing these anthologies, which is like my favorite thing to do. So I've like added another layer with um, the Live Right partnership. I partnered with my publisher, Live Right, in order to do this new series where we're going to be featuring like two debut writers a year starting in 2023. Yes. So it's going to be, I know, it's going to, it's like so, it's so exciting. And I've been reading people's work like privately for a really long time and trying to help them workshop stuff. So this has been like another layer where I'm like, okay, I'm actually like reading a manuscript right now. And at some point it's going to be part of like the well-read Black Girl Literary Series. And I'm just like, what is life like how do I even have this job <laughs> like I constantly it's kind of like how you feel with your tv show you're just like oh yeah wow it's like, <laughs> and I don't know about you but for me it feels like I don't I don't know like so we haven't sold the show or anything yet and I have a few other projects going on at the same time in the background and part of me is so afraid to get excited because I don't want to be let down but the other part of me is just like Woo! <laughs> like it feels like being but on it's like also like the process of it it's just like so every time we get to read a manuscript or talk to another editor or like you know start doing like I, I just get so excited and I feel like I'm learning. Like I feel every moment is a learning opportunity. And I don't know if I had that kind of insight before. Before I was just like, I'm doing a job. And now it's like, no, I'm like learning how you're to like do You're like having the- an experience. Yes, like, completely. You're experiencing with somebody else what bear like they're bearing their soul and you get to be privy to that like that's so deeply intimate and beautiful it it's so and it's like the first touch like i think people forget how many people are involved in making a book like b- before it gets into your hand I don't think and you're the forget. reader i think people don't know I don't think yes, people don't know. maybe like we need to de- demystify it because people Let's do not understand. Right like, like literally, to be an editor, to be the acquiring editor, to be the first person who reads it, to like gives the the author feedback. Like, okay, perhaps this um, this plot needs to be expanded more. Maybe you need to add another character. Maybe this needs to be instead of six hundred pages, it should be three hundred. Like, I'm going through that process. I'm really giving people very detailed notes, and that feels incredible because I want their end product, the book that gets published and people read like page by page to be so wonderful. And I, I does feel like a very, it's almost like it's a birthing experience. Like I feel like a midwife in a lot of ways. Like I'm trying to really kind of like my, come on, breathe, push, you can do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like really giving them the, like the support so they can bring this thing into the world. And I know what it feels like to be on the other side of like working on something and having all the anxiety and want to make it, you know, you want to make it perfect in a lot of ways. And it's not about perfection. It's about just like it's its own timing and its own like finesse and like the words being in like the right place. You know, it's not just about perfection. It's about the process. So I'm very much in process making right now. So I have a question like, so I am very dubious about whether I'll write another book. I might, but 
I'm also one of those people when I was finished writing Making Our Way Home, I'm like, I'm never writing another book again, period. And then I've written another one. So I don't even know myself like, <laughs> at some points. But I have a lot. I talk to a lot of folks and they think that you have to finish the entire book before you can get to that process of like submitting it. Or folks think you have to have a master's degree before you write a book or a certain amount of context or you have to be a certain age. Like, what are some other things that we can use to demystify the process? Because I think my experience has been super unique. Like, basically what happened, y'all, is... Um, I was doing this series every March for Women's History Month and um, it became like a herstory moment and then I decided to start crowdfunding. And if it were not for LeVar Burton, bless his soul, he also has a documentary coming out soon um, called Butterfly in the Sky, which is going to be at the Tribeca Film Festival, which I'm very excited about. Um, oh like, my gosh, is it, the, is it this June? Uh, let's is it this, see. Is it... Oh, yeah. Is it this coming? Oh, in June. I'm so excited about it. He just announced it. And Whoopi Goldberg is one of the executive producers, which is really exciting. Um, oh, my God. We should go together. We, we should, should totally go to the I'm going to book that immediately. Yeah, we should go together. Um, but he, like, shouted me out. And this was because a few months before, I was like, you know, one day I want to thank at LeVar Burton. This is on Twitter uh, for, like, helping me become an enthusiastic reader because I, I think it might be. Like if, if folks know me, they might also know that I didn't really learn how to read as a strong reader until I was in third grade. Um, before that, I used to memorize the books and I still struggle with reading out loud. Turns out I have dyslexia and also ADHD, which just presents a lot of challenges. Um, but anyway, I just tagged him and I was like, one day I want to thank him. And he's like, you don't have to wait, Blair. You just did. But you don't have to take my word for it, which proceeded to me just like crying for two hours, like <laughs> Donald Glover in that episode where he was just like, LeVar Burton. And he's just been an amazing human being. Um, but anyway, so he has the documentary coming out. He shared that crowdfunding post and he just said, somebody published this woman's book. And he sent that out to like his 2 million followers. And we got so many people reaching out to us. And so I think that I've also been on panels where folks have been complaining about non-traditional influencer book writers and how they're ruining the industry while I'm literally on the panel. And I'm like, well, maybe it's a good thing that folks don't have to go to Stanford and get 25 postgraduate whatevers and become a writer because everybody has a story to tell. Exactly. And I think that that's the most important thing. With their there need to be less barriers to enter the industry. And it's great if you decide to go get your master's or go to Iowa or go to one of these prestigious programs. That's amazing and we should encourage that. But also if someone finds another way into the industry and they're more autodidactic or they have a different experience or they just write it in their basement and they happen to be like a phenomenal writer, it, like those two things don't compare to one another. It's just like, it's just a different way of entering the, the world and getting to an editor. When the editor reads it, it, and they're like, this is incredible quality and I want to publish it and I want to learn more about the author. That is like the most thing. That's the thing that's the most important. It's not about where you went or like the degree or all these like prestigious things that um, people, I don't know. They, like it's not I a prerequisite know. situation. Like yeah, these things are nice yeah. to have. But like I think it also took me a while to realize that you don't write to get on a bestseller list. You you write yeah. to like share your story with people, which is a lot less pressure. I also think folks need to know that like you don't have to understand grammar structure perfectly or like pre-edit your stuff. I don't know how commas work to this day. <laughs> I am the queen of run-on sentences. Like my videos, smarter in seconds, are just like supremely long run-on sentences. That was the one thing that I used to get in trouble for in school all the time in addition to disrupting the class and asking too many questions was <laughs> run on sentences like but this sentence is a run on which is fine maybe maybe it just needs to be um but you don't have to do all that stuff like you can just really be creative own your own your stuff and then 
I think just really walk in the fact that like, if we look at how many human beings exist on earth and the fact that you might be publishing in English, like you have a certain amount of people who are going to be interested in what you have to say. And it's about owning that and, and not counting yourself out. Like, don't be the person that stops from sending it to an editor because you think it's not good enough. Like let that editor pass it on to another editor. I had 17 rejections before uh, my first book got published. How many rejections have you gotten? I have gotten several rejections, even the platform itself. You know, people like to think that Well, We're Black Girl was this overnight success. But, you know, we just celebrated our five-year anniversary, our five-year festival anniversary. But for the first three years of, of like, planning and having things, I promise you, I probably had, like, the same 20 people as part of the book club. It was, like, this, like, I thank them in the back of the anthology for showing up for every book club and hanging out and, like, you know, building a friendship and building a community because... It wasn't supremely popular. I didn't have, you know, half a million followers on Instagram. None of that existed prior. And there, it took a lot of time and energy and work towards building the community. So I've had plenty of rejections. I've had plenty of ideas that didn't come to fruition. Or even like now, I'm really excited to be working on a new podcast. And we've been, we've interviewed Blair and, uh, you know, other people like uh, Toronto Burke and Anita Hill and all these amazing people. But that also took a long time of like getting you know finding the right producer and trying to figure out like the, the what what the show would feel like and be like everything takes time a book takes time creating a tv show takes time right doing a podcast like all these things take time and i think if anyone's listening and they have a creative project that they really feel passionate about be patient with yourself and give yourself time for the thing that you want out to the world to be because it's not overnight it really does take a lot of time and energy and if you're committed to it and you love your idea, it will happen. Just give it time. So I really believe in that because you have to trust the timing of your life and you also have to trust yourself. If you really want something to happen and it doesn't happen in a week or a year or even like two years, like, or five or 10, that's okay. Like I love watching documentaries and people are like, yes, this documentary or this film took me 10 years to make. Cause I'm like, that's a real thing. <laughs> like that happens to a lot of people where it just takes a lot of time for you to get, um, to make the thing come true, you know, but don't give up on yourself. And it reminds me, I can't remember who said it. I can't remember if it's Octavia Butler or Zora Neale Hurston. It's like, shame on me. But living through many apocalypses, I think is something I often return to. Like, just this idea that... That feels like Octavia Butler to me. Doesn't it? But then also, (laughs) like, sometimes Zora has, like, a little bit of of spice in there. I tried to Google it before I said it out loud. But it's okay to not know every citation off the top of your head. But it's also important to name that you don't know because that that covers your ass. But anyway, no, like, the idea of living through many apocalypses, because when we hear apocalypse, like, oh, the end of the world like there may be many 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 worlds that we live through the end of like even uh there's this big conversation around climate catastrophizing we're like the climate crisis is certainly a crisis but there are people who are currently living through the climate crisis many folks in east africa folks in south america people who uh are you know when whatever company says we're doing carbon offsetting they then pay people in the global south to plant trees on their behalf so they don't have to change their their policies like when we say that it's the end of the world like which world 
you know, because or even thinking about ourselves, like there are so many evolutions that we go through as people like the the thing about who you were 10 years ago or even a year ago, like this idea of reinventing and revisioning who you are is so powerful because it just it speaks to your evolution. You're not supposed to be the same person you were a year ago. You're supposed to grow. You're supposed to change. And the essence of who you are can be the same. Like you can still have your joy and your spirit, but you're growing constantly. And now that I have my little son, I'm always thinking about like the wrinkles in his brain. I just want him to have so many wrinkles in his brain. I want him to learn so many things. And I'm just always just trying to plant little seeds and ask him questions why. And of course he's two. So he's just like train, you know, but like, <laughs> like I just, I cannot wait for him to be able to fully communicate and ask me so many questions. I'm like, come on, let's like, let's talk about the planets. Let's talk about the stars. Let's like read this to get smarter. Let's like do all these things. And I, I think we have that expectation for children, but we should add, have that same expectation as adults. All the time. Absolutely. That curiosity, that question asking, like I posted recently that um, there's no such thing as stupid people and there's no reason to insult people based on their actual or perceived intelligence or common sense. And put, put somebody who I just deleted the, the comment, I was like, I don't have time for this because uh, this is my page but they were like so you don't think stupid people exist but you have a book called read this to get smarter and a series called smarter in seconds and a lip gloss called smarter lip sets and I was like it's really sad that that person thinks that my pursuit of helping folks get smart is because I think everybody's stupid I don't even think Mm. that's a real construct that's a that's a white supremacist colonialist construct that was used against and continues to be used against marginalized people and people with cognitive disabilities smarter in seconds But I'm not teaching anybody because I think that they're starting from like, it's like always about a progression, about a smarter. I'm getting smarter. There's a lot of things that I don't know. Once I was able to own my unknowingness, I felt like I was better equipped to educate because anytime I'm teaching somebody, I'm like, oh, I didn't know this either at one point. So let me start from that place of humility and move forward. Oh my goodness. I, that is like my, if I had a brand TM, that is my like, I don't know.com. Like, I don't know. Like I am always like ready to read something, to download it, to listen to a podcast, to read a book. Like I, I love that. And I think that is like the greatest place that like the greatest foundation to start at. It's like, I'm not sure. I'm curious about this. I want to learn more. And let me ask a question because pretending like, you know, something and kind of like, you know, going around just like pretend like why? Like, what's the point of that? And who does that benefit? It definitely doesn't benefit you because you're still in the dark about whatever the subject is. Ask the question. I have no problem with being like, I don't know something like I'll be in the front row and and, you know, now that I think about like my younger self in college and in high school, I was constantly asking questions and being like, can you explain that? Can you elaborate? Can you like give me, can we unpack this more? All these words, like I constantly did that and it show it looks great on, on my like SATs and in my classroom, I was always a great student because I was always trying to understand more. I think the only thing that was probably like the biggest challenge is like, I am not, I'm a book person. I am not a math person. So that probably <laughs> took me a lot. That was like much harder for me to kind of sit down and learn calculus, but I did eventually because I asked a lot of questions, but I'm impressed because you know. the best math test I ever got, like the best math I ever got in college, I don't even remember because I had taken NyQuil and DayQuil at the same time. Don't recommend what? I'm not a medical doctor. Highly, I did not remember <laughs> that test and I got an A on it. And I was like, what? So not a math person, but I am a words person for sure. I'm even a words person when it's a math equation in words. I love words. Those <laughs> are fabulous. Funny. But I think it's it's that thing that there's multiple, there's many, many types of intelligence. And we just have to like 
pursue the one that works best for us. And that also means like reimagining the way education happens because I know so many people who have been told that they were not intelligent, which is so frustrating because to even be told that you're not intelligent and to comprehend that phrase means that you are intelligent because you're demonstrating the ability to acquire skills and knowledge. And then it also is deeply problematic because um, folks with cognitive disabilities of many different kinds who are then deemed subhuman because their intelligence doesn't demonstrate in a way that society has decided is valuable or important but there's just so many ways and I think it's expanding all of those ways and making it open to to other folks we're going to hear a quick word from our sponsor and when we return we will pack for a well-read and smarter trip to a metaphorical desert island hi I'm Carrie Mayer author of the national best-selling book the Paris bookseller So I'm not just a writer, I'm an avid reader. And since Always Authors is sponsored by Bookfinity, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about it. Bookfinity is a website that is built by readers for readers. So you can get personalized book recommendations, create and share your book lists, review books, and refer friends to earn rewards. You start by taking a quick quiz to discover your reader type. And once you complete the quiz, you'll be taken to your My Bookfinity account. I took the quiz and got my reader type. I am a heroin addict, which is so accurate because I do love strong female leads. Now when I log into my Bookfinity account, I will get personalized book recommendations based on my reader type. Bookfinity also has a like it or lose it function, so I can quickly like the books that I'm interested in or lose the ones that I'm not. And it has a unique review system that goes beyond a star rating. I love that I can review a book based on how it made me feel and recommend it to others. To get started, visit bookfinity.com and take the reader type quiz and create your personalized account today. Every episode of Always Authors spotlights an independent bookstore. Today, we're giving a shout out to Blue Stockings Cooperative on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Established in 1999, worker-owned since 2021, Blue Stockings is a collectively run activist center and feminist bookstore that is radically inclusive of all genders, cultures, and expansive sexualities and identities. Thank you so much, Blue Stockings Cooperative, and I love that you're worker-owned. That's beautiful. It's amazing. Aspirational. So if you are on a desert island and you needed something to keep you completely captivated, I would recommend Anything by Zora Neale Hurston. I absolutely love her memoir, Dust Tracks on a Road. Sometimes it can be deemed as controversial because people are like, did that really happen to Zora Neale Hurston? But you know what? It doesn't matter. I absolutely love her language. That's her whole life. Like, you know, she didn't have Instagram by choice. You know, it's (laughs) our fault for being born right now where everything's verifiable. But Zora Neale Hurston, not. She showed up right out of the clear blue sky, rocked the Harlem Renaissance, an amazing icon. Anything by her is, is essential reading. It's like you would get lost. It's like such gutsy language. It's so beautiful and vivid. And I love, love, love her work. So this is my recommendation. It's like the one book that I feel like you would love. Quite honestly, anything by Zora Neale Hurston. I also have her um, her reader that Alice Walker edited, which is like my, this is part of my like glory archive, which is I love myself when I'm laughing and when I'm looking mean and impressive. So you have the beautiful photo of Zora Neale Hurston. And this has like every essay from her, you know, I mean, I gosh, there's, I mean, this literally everything is in this book. Like you have Mules and Men, Tell My Horse, How It Feels to Be a Colored Me, the Eatonville Anthology, Sweat, which is like, Sweat is um, mm-hmm. one of the stories that I put in my short story collection. It's like my favorite short story by 
Dora Neale Hurston. So I'm just like, hello, you can't go wrong. On an island, you're just going to make a new friend with your imaginary Zora right next to you and living That's your best 100% life. correct. Akeem and I have plans to name one of our children Zora. Uh, we don't oh. have any kids yet, but inshallah one day. So for you, I made very appropriate selections because part of my goal would be to get you off of this deserted island, which I imagine is an island so it's surrounded by water. So we have Ta-Nehisi Coates, The Water Dancer, uh, excellent, excellent book. And then we also have, hold on, I had tabs with them open, um, Afro Surf by Mami Wata, which is so essential because the history of like black folks and surfing has been so erased by Eurocolonialism, white supremacy. Um, and it just tells you about surfers from like Egypt on Mozambique, like all over Africa, which I think is so beautiful. And then of course, Octavia Butler, like uh, she's actually from Pasadena and a school uh, here is is looking at being renamed after her, which I think is so appropriate. So excellent. I think they Octavia did Butler. it. I think they actually like oh, they named a school yeah. after her. Yes. Which is beautiful. So I think is, as you've recommended anything, Zora Neale Hurston, Octavia Butler, like she really just crushes it in terms of like adding fantasy, adding like flourish, getting you into an otherworldly place. But then I also have Afro Surf, which will hopefully also help you, you know, turn some type of a, you know, palm tree into a surfboard so you could get off of that deserted island. <laughs> right. There you go. I will. I absolutely love ta Coates. Like the water dancer is a, such a beautiful lyrical novel. And yeah, like you said, Octavia Butler, she could help me escape in my mind off this island. And, and then, then I can Afro learn how surf? to surf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. Thank you. Thank you for the recommendations. I think we'd be uh, in good care in our, on our desert island together. Absolutely. I want to know more about what you were like as a kid. Cause like, I think for a long time I was the kid where I was just like, like I'm the same person for sure. But like, I never would have worn bright colors. Um, I, I was such a curmudgeon. I was a young curmudgeon. That would be my rap name. That's so adorable. Oh my gosh. That's so (laughs) adorable. I was just thinking because we're having this smarter conversation and I'm like obsessed with teaching Zeke all these things, my, my son. So, um, I found there's this book. I actually just like looked it up. There's this book called All the Ways to Be Smart, and it's by Zavina Zavina Bell. I'm pretty sure I'm saying her right. Her name right? It's Zavina, but she has this like really great book where it has all these like children's illustrations, and it shows like how you can be smart and inquisitive, but you'd also be artistic and creative, and you could be empathetic, and you can like it just literally shows kids all these different methods of like. And we how match to be... the color of the book cover, right? Yes, now, it's so outfits. cute. It's like the it's best so book. Precious. It's such of the best. I like absolutely love it, and it like it made me think of you and this whole conversation because like again we need this for adults. Like there's so many different ways. There's not one way to have to be intelligent to or even process information. But me as a little kid, I mean, we would probably have been in the same like we talk too much club because I was very very talkative and I was um I was in the library all the time. Like my mom was constantly like go to the library, like do your homework in the library, take your brothers to the library. That's why I like lived there. And I, I loved, what did I really love outside of reading? Like I loved like roller skating <laughs> and I loved I like, love that. I was just, I, I wasn't very good at sports, but in that same mentality of like, I'm going to try, like I tried to do all these sports. And I always, always got like the best effort award, you know, like I tried to do basketball and I was like, I would make the free throws when like nothing else. Like I wasn't very coordinated with dribbling or anything like that. Yeah. Oh, same traveling. Uh, oh my goodness. Amazing. Traveler. Yes. Horrible. <laughs> like, like I, was, I was like, what? Like, what are these rules? Aren't you just supposed to like play with the ball? But I think it was good for me for like team building. 
because that was in the, I mean now that I think about as my adult like I loved like working on teams and I loved to be in collaboration but I did or I like I wasn't a very fast runner but I was on track like I, I just would like sign up and participate and I think now that I think back it was just more because I loved to be in community and I definitely when I was in high school I was a cheerleader I did like cheerleading and I wasn't again I, I don't even know how I made JV in varsity because I I could like barely touch my toes like I was not like a very good like I was not doing stunts or flipping or doing all those there's things there's multiple was, ways to cheer there's multiple ways to cheer exactly but as you can see I was like go Ross boom I was energy no toe touches but energy you know so <laughs> I just showed up I really just tried to show up for all these things and if you get into practice of showing up even if you're not good at something like you just continue to do it because like why not like this is fun <laughs> like, oh, absolutely I'm, I think like any any team that you're on like is as long as you're bringing energy you're bringing excitement because if you think about the inverse of that like you might be like what about the folks who are like pro athletes but they have zero sportsmanship and they're just a pain in the butt to be around like right. I would much rather somebody who like oh no Jimmy is actually the reason why we didn't score that goal but a delight to be around instead of the person who scored all whatever how many goals and they just suck to be around because maybe they're burnt out maybe they can't be present um yeah, I definitely think about that often. I think the difference between me as a kid and me now, like I, I'm thinking about it, even when I played team sports, I like I played center field when we did softball and then we also won the championship. And so I was like, I've peaked, I'm done now. Um, <laughs> I didn't love it that much. I didn't like having to like, I don't know. I, I think, but what's different, cause I love collaborating and I think I've always been that way. It's just that I was so afraid of being rejected, which makes mm. sense because I was the one black kid in a lot of the activities that I was doing. And there was this big fear of like rejection and I'm completely the same person, but I'm just kind of more affirmed in the communities yeah. that I've built up. I'm not isolated from other parts of my communities. I can also like name and identify why I wasn't invited. Like it's kind of a bad look that like I was the only black kid at school and I didn't get invited to a lot of birthday parties. Like y'all, mm, yeah. Mm. But they subscribed, a lot of folks who are like that now subscribe to my Patreon and are learning to be anti-racist. So progress, hooray. But it's definitely an interesting thing like how when we have an awareness of what our conditions, our experiences are, then we can better name it and then we can better like understand ourselves because I think that without that awareness, I was just kind of looking down on my past self as like, oh, why wasn't I more enthusiastic? Why wasn't I going out? Instead of having compassion and like something that I've been talking about as we write these scripts for the show is that like, there's no such thing as like good behavior and bad behavior in children. It's mm -hmm. all behavior and it's all a response to, to input. And there might be unhealthy or healthy ways. Like there's definitely like bad behavior, but if we just look at it as bad behavior and then malign it instead of looking at like, well, why did this happen instead of something healthier? Maybe the, the child didn't learn how to process something in a way that yeah. was more pro-social. If we just put it like this is good and this is bad, the same thing that we kind of do as adults with like this is good behavior, this is bad behavior, instead of looking at it in a more transformative and I guess even abolitionist way to be like what were the conditions, how can we resolve it, how can we move forward, um, instead of treating everything like this binary light switch of like good and evil when there is so much gray area. Not to say, because every time I say something like that, people are like, well, what about this? And I'm like... When somebody is being dehumanizing and horrible, it's completely allowed to just be like, no, I'm not dealing with you. Right, but I mean right. things that are like when you might see somebody approach something in a way that you wouldn't approach it in. Is it more productive to just completely dismiss that person or to maybe also know where they came from? Or maybe even both. Maybe to be like, oh, I wish you well and far away from me. But I also want to understand how you came to this conclusion, whether yeah. I would have done it or whether I wouldn't. That was such I don't even know where I started with that sentence, but hopefully it was coherent and made sense. Okay. 
I, th- I followed and I think that what you're really speaking to is being able to have enough patience with yourself and others so you can understand their perspective and have an appreciation for it, even if you don't like 100% agree. And I think that is, it's a very like worthy thing to do. I think sometimes it's harder than, you know, it's harder to implement sometimes, especially if like yes. you're in spaces where like you're frustrated or, or you have spaces where there's not enough nuance or context, like I think social media can be a good example of that where you're just like, oh, it's easy to be dismissive of people on social. But the reality is like, if you just take a step back, yeah, I also, I do this a lot when I'm like, okay, like why do I feel like some, like, why am I feeling this thing? Like, let me ask myself why, let me like take a step back, think about it before I respond. Let me not be reactionary. Let me like really like process things. And I feel like I've said that word like so many times throughout this conversation, but so much of it is about like process, processing your emotions, processing your creativity, processing who you are as a person and how you want to show up. And you have to know yourself well enough to do those things. And, you know, when we were younger, maybe we didn't have like the emotional ability, but now as adults, like we can do that and we can also model it for younger people. And I think it's going to be so great to watch like that transpire on your show. And you, cause we see it already happening within our, like our book clubs and with, uh, within our, like our social media presidents we see like people having conversations and wanting to know more um but like how do we like just again like to take a step up yeah Yeah. scale it just like continue to grow and build off of it so people have the vocabulary i've been totally obsessed with um i mean who isn't obsessed with Brene brown because like hello but i've been like watching her atlas of the heart series have you watched it yet you oh i think you would love it it's so good. It's like on HBO Max. I don't know if we can we talk about that. I don't know. It's probably a little off subject, but like it's so it's a it's a book like it's one of her like her series talking about like emotional vulnerability and transparency and how we like name the things that we're feeling so we can be more co- mo- just like more open and liberated and not be like reserved with our emotions. It is so good. Like it's so, the so, so good. The fascinating thing with Brene Brown is that like many of the touch points, I need to get more familiar with her work for sure. I know some of it, but my mom literally has taught me stuff that Brene Brown has, is writing about. And it's just so fascinating because we're in this phase of my, my, my relationship with my mother where I am now the kind of like monster she created in the best way where I'm like, you know, mom, there's a great flow chart for this experience we're going through. And she's like, Blair, why can't we just have a conversation? And I was like, we can, but if we did it with this flow chart, like, cause that was the process she taught me to do. But one of the things that I know, I do know about Brittany Brown is- I she, love she your mom, about, by the way. Your mom is so oh, amazing. Shout out <laughs> to mama so and mommy. Um, one of the things is like, what's the story I'm telling myself about the situation is what Brittany Brown talks about. And mm-hmm. that's really, sorry, my dog is- they, they see a squirrel and they want to attack. But anyway, I literally thought your dog talked. I thought he's like, I, that's it sounded what they like you said a all word. The time. Can I tell you that? Like, okay, pause from Brene Brown slash my mom. Um, so Akeem, my fiance, is currently living in London. And w- there was a, a time when like maybe a few, m- two months for, with Akeem being gone, where I woke up and it sounded like Rita, my little dog from the streets of Mexico, said, Blair. And I was like, I've lost it. I knew it was a matter of time. <laughs> Um, but they're just very vocal animals, which is great because so it helps you make sure. It literally sounds like he said, like, I thought it, the dog cursed, but I said, shit. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be my next series is talking animals. But anyway, no. So with Brene Brown, she talks about this, like, what's the story I'm telling myself about the situation? And growing up, my mom would always like kind of check me like if I was Django. 
I will engage with you later. Anyway, so whenever I had an issue with um, somebody at school and I was like pissed off at them, that wasn't like something, <sighs> these dogs. Anyway, so when I was a kid, I would be like pissed off at somebody for not inviting me to their birthday party or something. And my mom would be like, well, is that a targeted attack on you? Or is that, you know, maybe their family couldn't afford to invite everybody in the class. Maybe they just invited the close friends and family members. Flash forward to today where I'm making my wedding list and my mom is like, no, don't invite them. They didn't invite uh, us to their kid's wedding. And I was like, well, maybe they couldn't afford to invite everybody. And she's like, oh, I never thought about it that way. And I'm like, yes, you did at one point, 10, <laughs> 20 years ago. And it's just this very cute full circle moment. So maybe for that reason, I should I should get more in touch with with Brene Brown's Atlas oh, yeah. of the Heart. Yes, I think Have you, you interviewed her on the podcast? I hope you do. That is a great idea. And I think I will put a little pivot in that. I'll, I'll, I'll think about that for next season. So this season, we've been able to just talk to like amazing people but you know what it is like when we were on there we talked about just like craft and process and the journey of being a writer I think I'm most curious about that at this moment because I see that everyone has a totally different path like people do you know like we talked about this earlier, sometimes folks go into like the MFA program. Sometimes people just like do it on their own. They go on retreats. They they write with their kids in the backseat of their car. They're just like so many different journeys. And I want to highlight that and show people like there's so many ways to tell your story and to be a writer. And you shouldn't don't give up on that dream of like becoming a writer, whether you're an influencer or you're a, a mom of three or you're like a, a person with a Ph.D. and still hasn't like written their book. They want to bring it out to the world. They want you want to have it like be more commercial or whatever the case, like just do all the things and don't be, yeah. and don't compare to yourself to other people. That's that's, that's I really, the one lesson you've taught yes. me that is imprinted on my mind because it's just there's no reason to like you don't have the same resources you don't have the same background behind the scenes situation so when you like see the movie of somebody's life and you're like oh that should be me well you're seeing the highlight it, it reel right because yeah. you're seeing like all the good stuff and on it was social an Instagram media. post that I saw in like 2014 and it said don't compare your uh like your process to somebody's highlight reel. Yeah. Something like that. I can't remember. It was some uncredited Instagram. Maybe it was Tumblr. But that's like a real thing because like, of course, when you look on Instagram or you look on Facebook or like anything, you're just seeing like all the positive things and you're just like, you don't see what happens behind the scenes. And like, you need all those things. I have also been, um, listening to a lot of Viola Davis because her new book is coming out, Finding Me. Yes. And it's so, fan, it's so, so fantastic. And she's going to be on the podcast as well. Like, it's, yes, I know. Yes! So it's so insane. Like, the Viola Davis, like, How to Get Away with Murder, like, Doubt, like, all, all the things. Like, I just, I'm so obsessed with her. But the one thing that I took away from our conversation and from her memoir is, like, you need to own it, right? Own the good, own the bad. It is your full life and it's what makes you who you are. And there's no reason to be ashamed of the things that are challenging or the things that were traumatic in your life because it just, it all informs who your personality, the how you show up. Like, don't be afraid of those things. Just like completely own it. So I've been trying to make that my like mantra, like own it, own it, own it. I'm going to own all the good things, all the bad things because it makes me who I am. That's beautiful. And I invite everybody who's listening, including myself, to to own that 
to make that commitment to ourselves. And yes. I think this is a good place to leave it. I'm I'm going to book my flight right now to come to the Tribeca Film Festival to hang out with you and Zeke. Um, but thank you so much, Glory. Um, tell us the name of your book one more time. I'll do the same. Mine is Read This to Get Smarter about race, class, gender, disability, and more. And yours? My second anthology is entitled On Girlhood, 15 Stories from the Well-Read Black Girl Library. Awesome. Thank you for listening. Please visit alwaysauthors.com to learn about upcoming episodes, to read a transcript of this episode, to buy the books discussed here, and for more information about our sponsors, bookfinity.com and Buxton Books. Always Authors is an exclusive production of Atomic Focus Entertainment. Cheers. <laughs>